Welcome to the Private Property Podcast. Tonight's podcast, we're going to explore the world of property for freelancers and influencers. Stay tuned, comment below, share the podcast, and send us a load of likes as we tackle the challenges of tax for freelancers and property. Don't forget to use the hashtag, hashtag find your new home on privateproperty.co.za, hashtag the private property podcast, and hashtag we learn with private property to join in on the conversation. In today's case study video, we'll learn how to get 100% of the property you purchase back from SARS. So stay tuned for that one. And if you missed last week's episode and you're strapped for time, remember that you can now listen to the audio version of the Private Property Podcast on Spotify. So if you're planning a road trip or you need something to do during load shedding, just download the audio version of the Private Property Podcast on Spotify today. You will not get to see this glorious face, but the audio and all of the information you need will be there. And that is all the announcements I have for you right now. So without any further ado, let's get to today's episode. Today's show. Joining me in studio today, tax expert and influencer, a gorgeous, gorgeous girl, Natasha Lord, is with me. According to LinkedIn, Natasha Lord is a tax specialist who focuses on empowering people with tax information, giving them tools to address their taxes in a way that gives them confidence. Her multinational accounting firm based in South Africa and Zambia, Lord's Business Solutions, has been in business for seven years and has worked with individuals and businesses from all walks of life, where her team of professionals helps make the complicated tax stuff more simple by offering trustworthy tax, accounting, and business services. She's built her career around helping others get an understanding of their finances and taxes so they can make smart decisions, build wealth, and sustain their legacy confidently. Remember to share your thoughts on today's episode and tell us about your property tax stories of 2022. Add your comments on our Twitter page and remember to add the hashtag, hashtag the private property podcast and hashtag we learn with private property. Before we chat to Natasha, our producers have found some interesting content on TikTok. Here's how creatives get taxed. Finally, we're getting into tax with artists and those in the creative space. This is going to fall into three spheres. One, where you're an employee. Two, where you're a freelancer. And three, where you own a company. If you are an employee, you meet the, you meet the requirements of the Labor Relations Act. If you meet any one of these, you are, you are regarded as an employee, which means you're also regarded as an employee as per the Income Tax Act, where you then qualify for paying to earn tax rates, the company that you're working for and employed at needs to be paying you your amount of money less the pays you earn, um, as well as you making sure that you get your IP fives and all of the types of things that pertain to you being an employee. Natasha, welcome to the Private Property Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. How did you come to all of this information? Let's start there. Well, <laughs> so well, because well. I'm a freelancer myself, and I'm like, how does this 
girl know because I obviously need yeah. to come and consult you. Yes. But to the freelancers and the other people like us who are watching this, where did yes. you get this info? So I started off just normal accounting, bookkeeping and all of that. Um, and one of my clients or a new client came to me with a case in terms of getting audited. And from there, I just got into the world of dealing with people who are being audited by SARS. And so understanding what SARS needs and understanding that people don't know how their unique situation affects their taxes. Mm. But what actually happened with this video is a funny story. Um, my friend, I love a funny story. <laughs> my friend who's an actress, um, Lee Lorato Mokoka, she acts on Gamora. We were chatting and we were having an Not interview. name dropping, sweetie. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> so um, we've been friends before that and so she's just been thrown into a world of acting from becoming an accountant now she's doing acting and so we were just chatting about taxes but also in the creative space how do you how do you tackle the business side of being a creative and you can't tackle that without knowing your taxes and so we thought hey let's put this on film but alas the film kind of just got messed up and I did this I said you know what let me just put something out there and that's how we got to that episode I mean this is vital information so what is the first piece of advice that you did give her so the first thing is that she didn't know how to be taxed when you are a freelancer and she didn't know the different vehicles um, the example is are you an employee are you a business um, are you a sole proprietor and understanding the distinctions between that how do you render your services and how are you paid that determines the tax rate okay. and that determines the tax strategies you can use the wiggle room so an employee doesn't have the same incentives or deductions as someone who owns a company um, or as someone who's a sole proprietor so let's stop right there because i need you to define these terms because yes. a freelancer is like i'm just a voiceover artist what <laughs> yes. pray tell is a sole proprietor shall i be one yes uh, so the biggest thing is that if you're being paid into your personal account and you don't have a registered company with cipc you're one of two things cipc the, the company's intellectual properties commission right which so that's, is where you register a company you give them your id number your company's name and you're like i'm gonna start trading i'm gonna make millions i'm gonna buy right. a mansion exactly. i'm gonna be a big deal i'm a big deal yeah. but so you can do that you can register a company i wouldn't suggest that if you're just kind of not doing things you're not formally doing this with different types of companies and the okay. reason is that you are not able to be eligible for something called small business corporation tax rates um, and that's a great incentive but you need to earn more than 80 percent of your income from it from different sources so if you're earning more than 80 percent of your income from one source um, that's the easiest way there are a couple of other distinctions but that's the easiest way for you to not be able to take advantage of that mm. and so your tax rate ends up becoming a lot higher for most people define one source so it's only generations that's paying me right that's one source that's one source but if it's generations and then also i'm on uh, blood psalms but then i'm also on yes but also it you might have five companies or what clients paying you mm. but if more than 80 percent comes from one source then it, it throws you into something called a personal service provider okay. so there are a lot of other things that i'm leaving out but that's a very common one that will exclude you from taking advantage of small business corporation tax rates which are more favorable for companies but also it's a lot of admin so someone who's just starting out they don't want to have to think about filing a company tax returns with, with cipc if you don't do that the risk is that your company can then get deregistered so that's a thing um, you've got three tax returns that you have to do and you have to do financial statements if you have been in business so it becomes a little bit administratively taxing on a person mm. who's just starting out so start out with the easiest thing that you don't have to register for or deregister for 
which is a sole proprietor, and it opens you up to a world of deductions. So you needed to do Tell me more about this. I love a deduction. Yes. I love when SARS <laughs> pays me back my money yes. because they take too much of my money. Mm -hmm. And then come July, 1st of July, every year, I'm like, baby girl. What's going on? What's happening? What's happening? Run me my check. <laughs> I understand. So can you make my check bigger, please, with your sole proprietor thing? I can. So in some cases, hopefully, <laughs> I have to caveat, you know, you can't always, you can't just promise these things, but I can help, you know, equip with tools. So if you are a sole proprietor, a lot of people don't take advantages of the Section 11 deductions. Um, and that's basically any cost you incur in the course of doing business or in the course of generating income. Mm. What does that mean? You I are, drive to the place where I need to go. That's petrol costs. I have to research on the internet. That's your internet costs. My goodness. Yes. <laughs> I have to sleep because if I have puffy eyes, I look bad on the podcast. So accommodation, travel costs, yes. these types of things. So you are able to sit with someone who can sift through your expenditure. And it's, especially when you're a sole proprietor and you're starting out, you are the business. So a lot of these expenses can overlap and you need to be able to say what makes sense to include. But m more often than not, people are not even including just one thing, you know? So it's, it's an easy way to reduce your tax liability um, or even throw you into, you know, a refund, should that be the case. But a lot of people don't know these structures. It helps you formalize it. It helps you practice for having a company. So if you get your structures in place, if you have your softwares, if you learn how to invoice, if you learn how to do these deductions and keep track um, and take financial responsibility for what's happening in your business as a sole proprietor, you can then kind of graduate to becoming a business, if that be the case. But if you move straight into a business, it brings up other conversations. How do I pay myself? Mm. You know, how do I move money from the business? And then you end up getting a situation. Do I earn more than the other employees who work for me? Yeah, but more than that is if you're paying yourself, you are no, then creating no another tax. No, employees who work for me. It's me. It's just, it's just me. <laughs> but if you're doing that, then you, have, you are technically an employee in the eyes of the law. Whether you're the only person, whether you're a connected person, a director, you are the employee. Mm. So if your company is paying 27% tax now, then you move money from there to your personal capacity. You then start paying personal tax. <gasps> yes. That's not clever. No. That's okay. why you have to sit down and figure out strategies in which that you don't find yourself getting taxed here and taxed there. And, and you're taxed spending on tax everywhere, and then you still have to pay people to do your admin because you probably don't know how to do it properly. Sign off on your financial statements. It mm. brings about a lot. So I always say, you want to do something, start off in the simplest way that you can, and that will help you migrate in a smart way where a professional can just. It's it's a it's a it's an information gap. You just need to get from here to here. You need information, but that costs something. Thing that freelancers don't do, and you know, with the sole proprietorship, I'm, there's lots of things that you have to prove, which involves then yes. keeping receipts, keeping invoices, yes. keeping a paper trail must exist. Yes. But how extensive does that paper trail need to be? So it really depends, right? Um, if you are, if you have a good system in place, if you are doing your financial statements, that's based off of all of. I say it tells a story of the decisions you've made financially with mm -hmm. your business. So if you have kept your bank statements, you've kept your receipts, the easiest way to do that is just to upload them into a drive. Um, in, in most cases, receipts, you know, you can kind of get that if you're shopping online or if you're swiping all the time, mm -hmm. it's not a big deal if you can't find that because you can probably go to the merchant and get hold of that should that be the case. I wouldn't say it's really practical to, you know, kind of obsess over keeping every single receipt. Yeah. I would say keep as many things as possible swiped and online on your bank statements so that should that 
that um, transaction be queried, you can always go through to the merchant and they should have that on their systems for at least 10 years. But you should be able to have a system of keeping track of your financial comings and goings. I, I have so many more questions. Listen, we're <laughs> going to take a small break. <laughs> <laughs> After the break, I'll be chatting to Natasha and unpacking some of her thoughts on the topic of property tax for freelancers and influencers. Remember to share your comments on our social media pages and don't forget to use the hashtag, hashtag the private property podcast, hashtag we learn with private property. Natasha, first things first, how would you define a freelancer or a social media influencer? So it's not just about the job that you do. You can do your social media influencing, but a freelancer is just someone who, by the definition of SARS, would be someone who doesn't earn money on, at a regular basis. There is no actual freelancing term in, in the act. You are just simply somebody who is a provisional taxpayer. You're not formally employed. You don't earn a set amount of income. Maybe you do have a contract, but if you are a freelancer in most cases you are not earning a set amount of income and that means that you can then have different vehicles in which you render those services freelance is the way i think we think of it generally is that i'm kind of just doing my own thing i don't have set clients i'm not really certain but a freelancer and a business owner in the eyes of the law are pretty much the same thing but the vehicle that you're going to use is what determines what's happening so I would love for freelancers to more think of themselves as business owners and that helps them understand the business side of tax it helps you understand the incentives helps you understand the deductions it helps you understand your obligations when you need to file how you need to file what you need when you need to file so think of myself as a business owner yes. but don't register myself as a business just yet because that could end up being a tricky thing so i must rather register myself as a sole proprietor and then get to the business thing with the cipc and all of those things later so i don't get taxed too many times yes so sole proprietors are not registered this is why it's easier a ah. sole yes a sole proprietor is 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 a, is a hybrid between a business and an individual but it's not registered with SARS so as you're going about your life you are going to have to do your personal tax returns when you're doing your personal tax returns on the return you have the option to select did you conduct any trade or business activities and when you do that you say yes I conducted one and a whole form pops up and you can then populate all of the expenses and the income Income, but you don't have to register or deregister so yeah. that's what makes it easier however it's not just the kind of silver bullet sometimes you do need a company and you only have one client but the, the company that you're working for your client might need a more formal structure and so they may say please register a company we want to pay into a company business account or please register for that we might want that so it's just understanding that for most people who are kind of having a side hustle whether they are formally employed and they're kind of consulting or freelancing on the side mm. that they need to be able to know that you can submit or you can take you know account of that because people are like should i tell SARS about this shouldn't i tell SARS? how do i Absolutely. deal with this tell SARS they will SARS. come for you honey they will come knocking at yes. your door at the most <laughs> unexpected time and it exactly. will be very inconvenient completely 
So recently you've been featured, I mean, you're a gorgeous, gorgeous girl <laughs> making very, very helpful content. There are a lot of freelancers. There are a lot of influencers. Social media has created a whole scope of sort of career options and choices yes. that you can go into without necessarily being in the traditionally sort of formally employed structure where they deduct a PAYE and yeah. you know they provide your medical aid because <laughs> now you have to pay that for yourself <laughs> when will I be able to take up my pension fund mm. because and changes have come with that but yeah, yeah. I mean we're not going there yeah. right now yeah uh, but specifically related to property those of us freelancers, mm -hmm. not myself included, who can afford property, mm -hmm. what are the now most common mistakes that you've seen um, these people make in terms of their taxes and yeah. their property? Yeah, the biggest thing is that they don't see themselves as businesses. And because you don't do that, you don't understand your obligations. As a person who's employed, the requirements when you are applying for a property are very different than someone who's a freelancer. Mm -hmm. So freelancers, a business, they're going to require business, you know, requirements when you're applying for a pop property. And so kind of that terminology of freelancer needs to sit by the wayside. Mm -hmm. When you do that as an individual who is salaried, you are providing pay slips, you know, and it's easy, your taxes are taken care of because that's your employer's obligation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, especially those who are employed and then they kind of do something on the side or they've opened a company on the side and it's kind of doing something and they want to use the company to buy you know a property they don't prepare at least a year in advance you need a year in advance to prepare the reason why you need to do that is because you have some Natasha I got a very big gig and I got my Millie today the check came through now I want to buy a house what are you telling me I've got to wait a year to buy a house the reason I tell you that is because they need something called an I IP. I didn't get a milli. <laughs> okay, because, sorry. Yeah. Maybe next year. I'm will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> something will come up. So. <laughs> <laughs> Say those prayers. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my milli. I'm still waiting. Here. You're still, yeah, okay. So you need to, the reason is that when it comes to a business or when it comes to a sole proprietor, especially, um, a business sole proprietor, a registered business. For a registered business, for instance, if you've decided, you know, I'm choosing a vehicle of CIPC registered business, they're going to need a minimum of two years financial statements. Got you. So you earned your money, but they need to see consistency. They need to see that you are a going concern because sure, you made your million in one year, but what happens in year 15 of mm. your bond? So that's where the continuity, they need to see that, they assess that. And so they are more rigorous with their approval process. When you are a sole proprietor, sure, you can register so that you can do your submissions and you can earn your million but you need to prepare you need to they're going to ask for more bank statements so it's not three months it's going to be six months mm. um, you need to be able to provide that you have been paying your tax how have you been paying yourself i'm so glad that you brought that up because the first thing i want to say to independent contractors to influencers to freelancers to musicians uh, artists uh, dancers uh, whatever you whatever. are out there models uh, only fans only feet Whoever you are, <laughs> you still have to pay taxes, my dear. Mm. Pay your taxes. They'll come for you and they'll come for your money. You won't have it anymore. Then this house Natasha is telling you to wait a year to buy. Yes. They'll take that from you as well. You'll have it for six months. Then they'll post it on social media. Abo, whoever, I'm not going to say his name because I don't like him, will post your files on social media. Yes. And then now everyone knows that they took your house. You don't have a house anymore. Now you're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Pay your taxes. Yes. And it's it's not and this is another misconception that every business pays tax or every person or every time you earn money you're going to pay tax. Mm. You might not, but you will if you don't plan for it. So it's always prepare, prepare, prepare 
or you're going to pay, pay, pay. The cost of lack of preparation is that you're going to overpay in taxes. I guarantee you're going to overpay in taxes. So the important thing is understanding your tax situation mm. as it pertains to your life, not just your job, but your relationship status as it pertains to your travel plans, your immigration, where have you been staying? Who are you with? How, how do you get? All of those things influence your taxes. Mm. But that does not necessarily mean you're going to pay taxes. Yeah. But you do need to prepare and you do need to pay where you need to pay. So let me ask you this. What would you say now to the specific group of people we're speaking to is the best way to remain tax compliant? Understand what you need to submit. Know when you need to submit mm. and make sure you're doing that a year in advance. So I always say this to people. You cannot get to the end of the tax year or tax season and be surprised by your tax bill. You can know how much, around how much, estimate how mm. much you are going to get as a refund or you're going to pay as tax. You don't just get there and kind of like, oh, this is how much. No, you you pretty much know. You estimate and yeah. you strategize and you have a roadmap. So have a tax plan. And know when it's red, when it's red and there's a minus, it means that they owe you. Yes. When it's green, you're in the dwang. <laughs> They have your bank details so they can even take that money. Can they take that money? Yes, they can take that money. Because it's you don't their pay, money. Yeah. If you don't pay, they send you letters. So the biggest thing as well is make sure that your e-filing records are up to date. Because if you don't, you won't know what they're trying to tell you. And if you don't know what they're trying to tell you and they send you final demands and they try to call you and they email you and it's not going to the right places, mm. you can't rectify the situation. And then you get a bunch of, you know, like interest and penalties of up to 150%. And further than that, they can go into your account and garnish it. If they don't get everything they need, they can write, they can order a right of execution. And in so doing, it means that they can attach your assets. So that's your house, your car, your furniture, you know, whoever. Now you're embarrassed again. And it's on social <laughs> and media on social and people media. are posting you yeah. <laughs> with the guy from, with that show I love, X Repo or something. Yeah. Then he comes and he takes your stuff and then your stuff goes with Mr. X. Yes. Listen. Are freelancers exempt from any sort of particular tax now when it comes to property movements? Uh, not particularly. No, don't no say one. That. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have money. I know, but the, we just have to learn how to grow it and manage it a bit better with what we have, leverage, you know. Um, but unfortunately, no exemptions. There are no exemptions. There are deductions. Okay, give there me deductions. deductions. It's the same thing. Whatever you did in the course of business, um, and and if you have, for instance, a rental property, you can always deduct things. So mm. you can, if you ran at a loss for that year, you can deduct all of those things and you didn't have tenants or you did repairs and maintenance or you paid your real estate agent fees all of these things are deductions and then they give you a true picture of what happened in your investment property business or in you know in your life as well as a, as a sole proprietor or as a freelancer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when do you think people should start using financial statements just as a way of being anytime that you are trading you do need to have some sort of profit or loss financial statement thing Whatever you're submitting to SARS needs to be backed up. You need to prepare to back that up. In a lot of cases, in actually all cases, once you submit that return, there's a provision to upload supporting documents. And they audit you. Yeah. yeah. Well, they don't necessarily, might not audit you. So that comes after you. So you upload your supporting documents. They audit me. They, oh, yeah, then they're like, well, we don't know. No, it's and fine. They're they, just trying to pretend that they don't owe me my check. And then yes. I'm like, gotcha. Fine. I have the supporting documents. Yes. Again, 
run me my check. That's it. So if you do get a refund, it's it's pretty much an automatic audit. If you have you know, done things that you need to support, like out-of-pocket medical aid expenses. Mm. If you've done that, they're like, we'll provisionally accept that and we'll give you a calculation of how much we owe you, mm. but we need to see the proof of that. And then you submit that within a given time frame. If you don't, then, you know, it reverts to, the, you know, the, the actual amount less what you might have claimed. How much should a freelancer rely on pre-populated information that's already there now in their e-filing profile? Oh, not much, because again, it's a business, right? So. I know that a lot of freelancers do encounter a situation where their clients might deduct income mm. or, or tax from that. Uh, technically, you're a business. And so what happens is that you are supposed to be re responsible for your own taxes. When you're responsible for your own taxes, you need to be responsible for providing the income, providing the expenditure. Another simpler way around this that a lot of freelancers might not know is turnover tax. Mm -hmm. When you are registered for turnover tax, you are just taxed on your turnover. So between zero and 300,000 and so, you won't have to pay tax. And there's a whole sliding scale, but you're based on your turnover, not your profit. Profit being income minus expenditure. Mm. That is a weight off of your shoulders because all you have to prove is how much you made. And that's easy, that's your bank statements. And if you do that, then you don't need to do financial statements. So turnover tax might be an easier, less hassle-free solution for people just starting out. How much should people rely on that auto-calculation that they keep doing there at e-filing? Uh, again, not much because that's mainly targeted at pulling third-party data from employers, banks, and your investments. Um, there is. Are they trying to scam us? Tell, tell me the truth. There, no. They're actually trying to make your life a bit easier. They're not trying to scam us out of the other money that we could be getting. They're trying to make it easier to be compliant, but most people don't know that there's more that you can do so that you can get more out of it. Uh, but what they're trying to do is get to the tax amount that they're due as quickly as possible or the refund amount that you're due as quickly as possible with as much coherent information as possible. So they won't know that you have a rental property. You need to put that in. They won't know if you had out-of-pocket medical expenses you need to put that in. So there's still a responsibility. It just kind of helps people a little bit. I got you. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't fill it in, eventually they find out anyway. So it's yeah, fine. Yeah, they do. Listen, what tax tips are you? would you give freelancers going into 2023 who are now trying to buy their first property? Speak to someone about your taxes if you have never spoken to someone about your taxes. It's like, you know, going for a checkup. You need to know what's going on. You need to know kind of what do I do to keep maintaining a good trajectory. But if you know nothing about what's going on, that is a tricky situation. I do a lot of events and one of the questions I ask at my events is how well do you know your e-filing? How many of you are comfortable using your e-filing? Good. Most people are not comfortable. Most people don't know how to use your e-filing. If you're comfortable with your e-filing, then you're probably comfortable knowing what's going on with your taxes. Yeah. But if you're not, that's a huge indicator that you probably don't know what's going on with your because taxes. Because you probably also don't pay your taxes. And don't pay the taxes. And so get to know your e-filing, speak to someone, understand that, get to a point where you're like, okay, I think I understand this. I think I've got a strategy that makes sense. Mm. And then when you've got that strategy that makes sense, spend the year working that out, right? And, and that, that will tell you when you need to submit. That will tell you how you need to submit, which documents are relevant to keep to submit. You know, it just puts you on course for success for the coming tax season. So you don't get there. And again, you're not surprised. You're not like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that I have to pay taxes, you know? And, yeah. and that's the biggest thing. People, more than not paying taxes, people don't actually know that they have to pay taxes. They don't think that what they're doing creates a tax event. So, yeah. Okay. It's tricky. That and, and be compassionate with yourself. 
it's okay a lot it's a tr it's a scary topic we're not taught about it much yeah. so be super super compassionate with yourself don't be too self-conscious to talk to people because that just sets you back again so be compassionate with yourself i'm pretty sure it's, it's not that bad but it might not be that good uh, but come with that grace towards yourself in that situation and the truth and the truth come with the truth yeah, yeah. because again if you lie they'll know they will know and then they'll come for you <laughs> Um, and also wait a year before you buy a house. Got well, it. Well, yeah. So the year is just because you probably haven't been doing it correctly. But if you want to buy a house, speak to someone and let them kind of figure out what it is that's going to keep you from getting the house. In most cases, it's because for the past year, things weren't done correctly. Mm. And so they find that that doesn't help so if you already know that i'm not really wanting to buy a house right now but i will in a year don't wait till you're ready to buy the house start now mm. making sure your affairs are in order so come that time you've got your financial statements you've got your your tax sorted out you've mm. got your ita 34 sorted out and you're not kind of like starting to fix the process when you want to start absolutely the by the time you're doing bond calculations or trying to get pre-approval you're yes. already in a great position exactly to present all of the things that they'll want from you which is you know jumping through hoops of fire mm -hmm. uh, for freelancers but yes. i mean you'll be able to do it with a lot more ease I suppose. a lot more ease a lot more ease listen when we get back we're going to learn more about how to get 100 percent of the property you purchased or the building so building cost the building cost of the property that you purchased back from SARS but first here's some tax advice for freelancers when you're a freelancer that is just kind of testing the waters trying to figure out what's going on what you want to do is perhaps start as a sole proprietor it is super easy to do then you also want to make sure you keep your income and expenditure this applies for whether you are a professional freelancer where you do this full-time or if you're a part-time freelancer when you're doing this keep all of your receipts your invoices your income your bank statements because at the end of the year at the time when you need to submit your taxes you need to submit either financial statements or a share when you submit this as a freelancer as a sole proprietor it's going to go on your personal tax return there are a couple of buttons that you need to click and then you need to upload these supporting documents so that they can measure if you made a profit or a loss and what to do tax wise regarding that and then if you are a company registered with CIPC you have to compile financial statements upload them and also those financial statements back up what you submitted in your IT are in your ITR return income tax return return <laughs> they're going to sub they're going to check up what's happening with that I hope this helps it is better to talk about this um, in context of what it is that you're doing so if you have any further questions please feel free to book a consultation about you know your freelancing um, situation specifically and which vehicle would work best for you we do some calculations and we see which one would land better for you Listen, I know I don't look like it, but I've been a freelancer for about 20 years, and that's when I wish I'd met Natasha. If you're struggling with tax on the property you've just purchased, our producers have found an interesting video that might actually help you. Today, we're talking about the very provocatively named Section 13 sex of the Income Tax Act. Now, this allowance is amazing because you're able to deduct up to 100% of the property that you've purchased or improvements that you've made to qualifying properties. The basis of this is that you need to have new and unused properties or have improvements and these units or improvements need to be used for the purpose of carrying out trade for the year of assessment. 
This is an allowance that is deductible for 10 to 20 years. And you have an additional allowance if you are having low cost housing. Natasha, so I, this 100% back situation, please. <laughs> Yeah. I want my ears to hear it properly. Yes, yes. Okay, so the 100% back is on building costs. It's not, it's not on the property. It is not on the property. But it's not on the house. It's not on the... It is. So, for instance, if you are buying a development and the cost of that house or that apartment was a million rand, um, but there are other costs. So, like the road paving costs, that's excluded. Mm. Um, the fencing costs, that's excluded. Simply the cost that went into building that specific unit. So, the bricks and the labor and the, the architect and the engineer, the bulk of the cost perhaps that's going to be sitting in that uh, unit that is a hundred percent deductible over 10 years if the if it's a building which is defined by the act i won't get into that but a building is if it's three hundred thousand rand to build and it's let out at one percent so three thousand rand <laughs> three thousand rand a month yeah or if it's an apartment that the build cost was three hundred and fifty thousand rand and it's let out at a maximum of 3.5 then you can deduct the building cost at 10% a year for 10 years. Wow. Yes, but most you can't really build for that much, so that's not usually applied. That's that part of the law. Me. It depends where. So that's a that's accessible if you're really building low again, low cost housing mm. and you take out a loan um of say 1.5 million rand and the land is a different cost so land cost is not included in the deduction. Got you. But it's building, the building cost. cost. Yes, didn't exceed 300,000 rand, you can deduct that 1.5 million, right? At 10% per year. So 150,000 rand, you can use that to offset whatever tax liability you have for the next 10 years now it's not a cashback opportunity i'm so sorry oh i know i need to put that in there it's a deduction wow so, yeah so effectively if you needed to pay fifteen thousand rand or ten thousand rand you've got one hundred and fifty thousand rand to offset that but then the remaining one hundred and forty thousand rand that's left over that's on you honey it doesn't it just kind of disappears into the ether you can't get it back it's Gosh. not cash yeah so it just helps you. And then if you're building over that amount, that becomes high cost housing. That's 5% per year for 20 years. Again, the build costs, so no land, uh, no fencing costs, none of all of that, just the actual building itself, which again would be within the range of anywhere between, you know, 600,000, 700,000, a million rand, depending on the finishes and the size. Mm. But it needs to be five new unused properties, not just any five properties, new unused properties. So it's a new build and it's never had an owner and it's never had a tenant. It's never been used. Got you. So that's one of the caveats. And then it has to be used for the purpose of trade, meaning you're not staying in there. You're using it as someone who is, you know, letting it out. Mm -hmm. You are then in the business of property and you're letting that out, whether in your personal capacity whether you're doing this with a partner and you split the entire because you can do that you can have two people come together and then you split the allowance mm. that's fine whether you're doing it in a company whatever it may be you have to be using it for the purpose of trade then it has to be a tax resident of south africa which most people are but if you know people are wanting to invest in, into south africa mm. from overseas and they want to take advantage of this you can't 
And then another thing is that you have to hold those properties for the full 20 years or 10 years that you are wanting to claim the deduction. Which makes sense. Right. So yeah. if you if you seed that, you seed that and then you then the de deduction stops. But if you want to keep with it, you keep with it. And then it's not limited to five. It's a minimum of five. Got you. So if you keep going, the deduction increases. I love this for us. I love absolutely everything you've said. I no. wish I'd met you sooner in my life, but we're here, <laughs> yeah, now, we're here now and we can move forward right. and grow together. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm so inspired. Thank you to Natasha for joining us on today's show and sharing all of her knowledge on today's topic. Listen, don't forget that you can download the audio version of today's podcast, which you will definitely want to do. If you are an independent contractor, a freelancer, an influencer, a dancer, an actor, a model, a foot fetish poster, uh, whatever it is, you're going to want to listen to this on Spotify. Otherwise, thank you for joining us on the Private Property Podcast. We hope you found our discussion to be informative and helpful. I definitely did. If you have any further comments or questions, please don't hesitate to reach out tomorrow on Twitter where the conversation will continue. We are always so happy to hear from our viewers and our listeners and to provide additional resources and information. Definitely going to tell you how to find Natasha because if I need her, so do you. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, share and subscribe to the Private Property Podcast. We'll be back soon with more expert advice, tips and insights on all things property related. Until next time, I, myself, Sibs Matiela, will see you on the next episode of the Private Property Podcast. Good night.